leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, where we share the stories of individuals that have broken into cybersecurity within the past five years. First, I'd like to welcome our audience. If you're following us live on LinkedIn, please ensure that you follow myself as well as our guest today, Approve. Um, I'll introduce him shortly. If you're following us on LinkedIn, make sure you hit that subscribe and then the notification button so that you see us the next time. And then if you're following us after the fact on any major podcast platform, don't forget to share us with your friends and family once you're done with this episode. And for um, Carrie on YouTube, hello there and welcome to our episode. So um, approve. Approve. <laughs> Approve. Yep. Uh, would you please introduce yourself? Sorry about that. Yeah, not a problem. Um, hey everyone, I am Apurv. Uh, I am currently working as a GRC cybersecurity consultant here in India. And I play a lot of games and anime. And then, as you can probably be sure of from my shirt, I am a big Batman fan. Pleasure to meet you all. Nice to meet you. So I thought it was interesting when I looked at your background that you started in robotics and what, what got you in, into robotics? Right. Um, I think it's something to do with, with how I, uh, what I studied, right? So I had a four-year undergrad degree in computer science, uh, computer engineering, right? And uh, one of our, uh, I think it was my second year, uh, we me, me and a couple of my friends, we attended a hackathon, sort of a hackathon, uh, where uh, people were com competing in, in robot warfare and stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I was a kid, right? I was, I was super, I was like, wow, I'll make this. I like, kind of re realized that it's a lot of money, so I didn't go down that path. But that was where it initially started, that I was like, hey, I saw these two things fight, and I was like, hey, I'm going to do that. Uh, oh, how cool God. would it be, right? So <laughs> that's how I got started, yeah. I think one of the interesting traits of individuals in cybersecurity is 
that they love to tinker and that they love to figure out like how things work. So I think your entry into robotics is is foundational to um, your curiosity and your figuring out how things work. So what led you from robotics to GRC? Uh, and so this is something closer to fourth year, right? So as you grow up, you kind of realize that, you know, there's some things that you would love to do as a hobby. And then, and while they're great as hobby, right? Everyone supports you and all, you don't really, uh, you become more money-minded, right? And so I I kind of quickly figured out that there's not a lot of money in um, me building these things. And then uh, I would, I, I, the other thing I figured out was I was not that great at coding. Uh, not that I couldn't code. I couldn't just, I just couldn't get around doing competitive coding, right? And a lot of robotic roles, uh, at least the ones that I saw, were either in machine vision mm-hmm. um, or in uh, required a lot of embedded C, uh, neither of which I was good at. So I was like, hey, you know, let's. I'm good at coding. I can read code. You know, what's what's one role that uh, is related to code? It's good if you know code, but it's all right if you don't do it all the time. And so I was like, hey, you know, GRC is something good. <laughs> and so and so I love and so that. I, I love that because I, I think one of the things that's going to happen, and if I'm predicting the future, right, with mm-hmm. all the cloud compute, computing that's happening now, is that soon everything's going to be as code. So we're going to need right. security as code, GRC as code. We're going to need everything as code. So your your coding background is perfect for that. Right, right. It definitely helped, right? And I came to know that it made me um, it made me better at it, right? You you come from a if you come from a development background or you have some hands-on development or at least as long as you're not afraid of what's going on in the back end, right? You can pop the hood and and see what's actually going on. Uh, it, it just makes you a much more confident at a job. Plus the fact that, you know, not a lot of people can bullshit pass you. So, so that, <laughs> that, that makes it easy. So uh, just just to set the preference or set the mm-hmm. background for individuals, you started robotics. Um, you're in India. You started robotics when you were in your first year and right. kind of transitioned uh, to GRC in your fourth year. Um, Correct. So that would be like a senior in college for uh, those right. in the U.S. Um, so tell us about your experience in finding a job. I know a lot of the times we focus on the U.S. side of mm-hmm. job hunting. Um, what's job hunting like in India? Um, it it has two aspects, right? Once you graduate off of college, mm, well, the biggest thing that happens here is college placements, right? So companies directly come into on campus mm-hmm. and there are these uh, placement days that kind of go on where um, according to how good you were as a student in college, you kind of get categorized immediately into which companies you are eligible to sit for, like kind of like, you know, oh, wow. kind of even appear for them, right? Sort of like that. Uh, not all companies follow that very strictly, but you you got to have some minimum, uh, like you shouldn't have any fail or something like that on your grade, like that. Um, so that is step one. A lot of companies, um, so placements is a lot like, it's not like, it doesn't feel like an interview. You don't feel as much in control, probably because 
uh, one, you are very inexperienced, right? You don't, a lot of uh, them are not very confident in what they know. And the second is that it's it's like a make or break choice, right? Because outside of school, it's very difficult to get hired because you're competing with absolutely everyone else. At least in school, you're just with whoever is in your school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of people are like, it becomes uh, it becomes very taxing at one point. Because you're like, you need to get it here or else you'll have a lot of competition outside. You wouldn't get as good packages um, or compensation, basically. Yeah. Uh, so so it, it becomes a, a kind of circle of that. And then you'll, you'll find your peer group, right? And peer group kind of gets divided into three major portions. Uh, one, one are folks who are sitting or for placement who want a job. Uh, the second are people who want to go for higher studies, but, but are going to do that in India. So there's a separate entrance exam for that. Uh, and then uh, a certain level of companies kind of ask you to sit for the uh, entrance exam just to appear for their uh, interview process. So that's another barrier right there. I, I mean, I cannot at the moment apply to any of those companies because I never sat for that exam. Okay. So, so it, it becomes like that. Wow. So it's like a almost like a, a privilege exam. You have to set for that and then you'll yeah. have privilege to talk to these companies. Oh, wow. I know I grew up in the Caribbean, so I sort of experienced some of the differences where um, I had to do like um, A-levels and um, prepare for that. And Mm -hmm. I did up to form four in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, And then I moved to the States and it was totally different. But um, the, the, the rigid structure of the British education system is very interesting. Right, right, right. And so I um, think uh, go ahead. I think it's a fallout of that, right? Because we were essentially a British colony at one point of time. So, so some things don't change. So what made you choose not to do on uh, the placement exam and tell us about your journey? Oh, I did. I did go on the placement okay. exam, actually. I tanked. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, someone asked me to. And, and I remember this very clearly because I remember this being the point where I thought that, hey, uh, I don't do good in such interviews. Someone asked me to uh, write a linked list, all right? Write the code for a linked list. Now I could I could write the pseudo code any day, right? I could just write it because because I know the concept, right? But then this particular interviewer was looking for it in 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 C, and it it had been years since I had written uh, a structure, right? I had I'd been doing object oriented programming since the past couple of years. So I'm, I'm just sitting there completely blank. I know it's the easiest question that one could possibly get especially since you're from from computer engineering and computer science right i'm just sitting there uh thinking you know this happens this happens this happens and then this pointer points here how do you make pointers in structures and i'm completely blanking out numbing out and then uh, at least the interview was good right they didn't roast me uh they moved on uh, but yeah. then that was when i realized that hey uh, not the best place to be <laughs> so so i did sit for interviews um uh there were a couple of my batchmates who actually went into cybersecurity firms right off the bat. So they went into um, consulting firms. Um, Pricewaterhouse, I think, hired that year. Mm-hmm. So so a couple of them went there and they did pretty good. Um, or at least they are doing pretty good now. So. so, But tell us about yourself. Like, So you went through the placement exam. Right. And, uh, so mm-hmm. where, where did you go from... Uh, your job hunt. Tell us about your job hunt and getting your first role. Right, right, right. And so um, I sat for those uh, cybersecurity roles, right? And then I kind of decided that, hey, 
uh, you know what would be good since I have not still come out of the student zone and, and I absolutely love studying, right? I still do. Um, so I kind of decided that, hey, you know, why not, why not just uh, get a master's? Okay. Right. And so, so, um, and so I think it's, it's also a bit of, uh, it's, it's a kind of a pattern here. People kind of study in, um, uh, in one contiguous fashion and then they start working. I, I don't know how that, it, it does not exactly work like that in the States, uh, where we, people can take an off and go and study Sometimes. and then yeah. they can come out and then they can start studying again. But you would rarely see people go for a master's degree unless they, um unless they are kind of switching fields or or they want a mba for example okay. um and so so i decided to go for a masters and uh, i landed a couple of colleges gave the gre uh landed a couple of colleges selected uh university of southern california um and then those were two brilliant years in la oh nice so tell us like you went for your masters what was your masters in no, it was cybersecurity. Masters in cybersecurity engineering is what it was called. Okay. And then what was your journey like getting your first job? Like right. most of the folks that we have, even the entry level mm-hmm. folks, like they might apply for a hundred jobs, but everyone's mm-hmm. different because some people don't apply for five jobs and mm-hmm. they get it. So what was your journey like? Right, right. Um oh I'll all right, I'll tell you I'll tell it in two parts, right? So um Getting an internship makes it slightly easier. I didn't land an internship, though I applied for like I don't know how many people I applied to, but I didn't. I didn't land an internship. Um, but then, but then uh, I got I got into I got into a firm at the very end. So I think in my last semester. And then uh, what what you say is true, right? I applied like because I hadn't done an internship this time. I was like like I was doubling down i was applying from a year earlier i was applying to all jobs possible right i even applied to jobs that said that they needed u.s citizens because i was like why reject myself let them reject me it's all right. yeah um and then uh and then yeah i got i got it i must have applied to at least i would i would apply for 10 to 15 companies per day okay. um, especially in my final semester and how did you apply did you uh, just apply on ATS systems. Um, was there mm-hmm. a posting form within the college? Like, what was your approach to applying? Right, right, right. So in college, uh, yeah, like uh, pretty correct, right? So in college, we had this uh, an internals career page sort of mm-hmm. uh, where we would kind of find postings a bit earlier or a bit different from um, what was there online on LinkedIn or on Indeed. I, uh, especially since I hadn't got an internship, right? I really didn't care. I would apply to the same position a couple of times, once from inside, <laughs> once from outside. And I would be like, it's their headache to figure out if I'm the same candidate. Uh, and so that was me applying. But then uh, I also reached out to all the alumni network. So if I saw that someone at some company was an uh, USC alumni, I would like just send them a connection request saying, hey, uh, you know, would you connect with me, fight on and whatever, right? And so so just just refer me here. Uh, right? So a lot of cold messaging, a lot of cold, uh, I didn't call anyone, but a lot of cold texting, cold messaging, uh, getting in touch with my alumni network, asking them to get me a job. I did land a job, so I was happy. So, well, let, let's talk about that. So was it a, a cold message and a referral right away? Or was it a cold message, build a relationship, and then ask for the referral. Uh, so this was the, I was actually in a crunch, right? So I would I would follow them for a 
couple of a uh, couple of days because i didn't really i was doing it a lot like with a lot of people mm-hmm. so i could not really take time to build relationships um i would follow them i would if i if i saw them posting stuff that i liked i would like it share it comment on it stuff like that right mm-hmm. and then i would i would uh, basically be on linkedin throughout the day and then um uh, once once i have shared let's say three posts or four posts and i know that okay you know this person is reasonably active on linkedin mm-hmm. i would reach out and uh, send them a connection and a referral request at the, in the same linkedin has a 300 character limit right so i had built a template with with appropriate gaps for job id and everything right so in case in case i just read the message and don't get back to me at least the message gets out uh, and so i would just copy paste that everywhere and send it uh, it was a very you know like a like a cold call calling salesman kind of approach yeah uh, but then this was me at the very edge cuz cuz we don't have a lot of time to get our uh, visa right mm-hmm. so i was like i i don't really i don't really care coming across as obnoxious as long as i get a job <laughs> so, so you 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 got a job um was it for one of the places that you really wanted or was it just like I got a job and it was the first job Yeah it was it was actually the first job and I think that was one of the mistakes I did right I I got a job quite early um had almost a semester left to go right and I said hey you know I got this job and I'm going to stop searching altogether so I never looked at better offers mm-hmm. uh, which is something I realized that I should have um but then i was like hey you know i got the job i'm going to relax um and then the way i got the job and which is interesting because the same company kind of rejected me during internship period right so mm-hmm. it, was, it was super hilarious cuz cuz they sent me this exact same questions in the interview mm-hmm. i was like i got these questions and and you know uh in in my internship and you rejected me then and then you gave me the same questions right now i told them in the interview that and then and then he kind of laughed and then we still went through the questions and pretty sure they changed it after that uh so uh but then but then i got into a consulting firm again so price water house right i got into them and they were pretty good i kind of built a case in my head that it would be better to be in a consulting role in the initial years cuz i will get a get access to a breadth of projects very quickly uh rather than get into a mm, one single internal role mm-hmm. where i might not get as much access which was which was a good decision Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I have the same feeling. I love consulting for that reason. So, mm-hmm. um I I love that you mentioned that they ask the same questions in the internship as right. you normally interview and you'll be surprised that they, they probably won't change it. Um because you have different people doing it, right? You have right. a totally different group doing um on-campus recruitment or uh school recruitment then you have regular recruitment so mm-hmm. they could totally reject you here because you're looking for this type of candidate but over here mm-hmm. you're looking for a totally different type of candidate and you might be their candidate all right all right so, um so you got that first role and how, mm-hmm. how are you liking it oh i've switched oh you a lot of you, time. okay a lot of times <laughs> um so um the ro- the role was pretty good uh, something that i quickly realized was uh, and then again something that i felt that i would have known if i had done an internship right you kind of get a gist of how a company functions from inside and what the culture is to uh, most consulting firms and there's a lot of time management involved and there is a lot of um 
what I call it as reaching out to people to get projects involved, right? Yeah. Something that I didn't know. Um, and, so, and so for the first three months, I was kind of just sitting, hoping that a project lands on me because I was like, why is it my duty to go out and get projects, right? I'm in a company. Yeah. And then I realized well, that's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so that, that, uh, that was a skill that you need to build, right? You can be great at security, but you need to be able to reach out to people and say within your company, right. And say that, Hey, you know, I'm interested in this. Would you put me on? And then you do a lot of what I, what I term as free work. You get to, uh, you, you, you make proposals and things like that. Right. Uh, and so that was, those were skills that, that, you can be good at security and then you can still be bad at those things and not get anywhere. Right. And so those were things that I had to pick up very quickly, which I didn't like at all. Um, but I and think then, right. And that's important right? for uh first level or first year consultants to think about. Right. Not right, right, right. they have to be good in security, but they have mm -hmm. to be good in communication. They have to be good in marketing. Mm -hmm. They have to be good in, uh, creating proposals and marketing themselves, and right. um, you you don't see any of that on the job description. Exactly, like, and then not not just on the job description, right? It's it's uh, I don't I don't know if it's there everywhere, but at least at my time, I kind of felt that it was something that is implied. Mm -hmm. Like you know, if you know it, it's great. If you don't know it, nobody's gonna come and tell you that it's this is how you do it. So, which which is which is something that I tell a lot of people now, especially the ones that are that that I mentor, right? That I say that hey, um, reach out there, keep keep making connections. See, once even once you are in the firm, right? Keep networking like crazy. It will help out. It will help out regardless. Okay. Uh, and then and then that is something that I feel that a lot of people kind of uh, forget. They think that it's a solo job, and it's not. A lot of times, it's not. Uh, it's not an individual contribution role, even if it says it's an individual contribution role. No, absolutely. Uh, so, so you mentioned that was your first role, and you switched right. many other roles. Uh, talk right. us through your your journey then. Right. So about about a year into PwC, I decided that I'm not making enough money, um, and the, <laughs> so purely selfish reasons. Right? And then people have better reasons. Uh, I feel this is a completely appropriate reason, though you never tell that in an interview that you're switching for money. <laughs> you always quote it with something, but it's it's. A, I always tell my mentees that, hey, you know, uh, it's all right because you need to pay the bills, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's not a bad reason. Mm. And so so simply like that, I just decided that I'm not being paid enough. Uh, everyone else is me. Uh, all of my peers are making more than me. So I should switch. Uh, I applied to this uh, CASB position. And so that was that was the first. Uh, so people who might not know, CASB is a cloud access security broker. Mm -hmm. And so these, these guys are people who... Um, uh, they they help you maintain your cloud in a way, okay, or or maintain your cloud assets. Um, and so I, I applied to that position. I thought that hey, you know, this, so this was uh, 2019 and mid mid 2019, and I decided that hey, you know, now is a good time to get into cloud while it's still hot. Um, and so I wanted to ride that wave, and so I applied there. Um, uh, ran into some uh, troubles with with getting my visa renewed. I got the job, by the way. Mm -hmm. But but then there there was a problem. Um, oh, all right. So before I get into the problem, I'll tell you about the job or how I got it. Right. So this was the first job that I applied outside of market. So this was my first, really applying through the U.S. market, through LinkedIn, through Indeed, networking, and then trying to get a role. Right. Um, and the process that I did was, uh, this time it was a bit different. I reached out specifically to recruiters, right? Because because their job is to recruit, 
and they are looking and so i would uh, whoever has recruiter in their titles i would just reach out to them connect with them have a have a quick talk and usually they're because it's their job they are usually more open to speaking with you than our normal folks who who work in those companies who might refer you right yeah and so i found that was much easier uh, to kind of quickly gain a grasp of which companies might take me in quicker and which places can i get a interview at quicker mm-hmm. got in touch with a recruiter who so a lot of them replied one of them uh, progressed quicker than the rest so i had about 7 6 7 interviews which was which was the next thing that i felt was is a lot cuz uh which was different right so uh, on campus interviews i had just two rounds that's it for first screening and then the second one was the one let's say pass fail sort of like that right but then mm-hmm. here uh, i went through like six rounds six and seven couple on site rounds right and i was like this is a lot like if if i didn't have time in my hand i would have been stuck Yeah. So and so which which got me to the next learning that is always best to keep looking for a job while you are in a job than to you know like get out of the job and then start looking. Yeah. That that's that's an important lesson to highlight. Um so you you got this job this was in the US but then you right. had something about your visa. Right right right. And so uh, what happened was uh, my there's something called as a uh EAD I forgot what it's called employment authorization document or I think that's the full form and so what what the document does is uh, essentially tells how many days it it kind of gets re- renewed every year mm-hmm. um and so that thing expired and the new company wasn't willing to um so even though the university decided that hey you know you can still apply for the renewal the new company didn't feel that they they would want to go through it Okay. And so and so you know I was kind of stuck went out of status which is which is where you get 60 days to change into a role that gives you change into a job role mm-hmm. or or you leave the country right. And so so those 60 days were like really bad. Cuz I didn't land a role and I had to leave. Uh so I came back and I decided hey you know what what would make me much more worthy on the Indian market let's get a CISSP right? Uh <laughs> and so and so you're, the next you're you're fresh out of college you don't have the experience <laughs> so 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 i found a loophole right so you can get the cissp but okay. then yeah as, as an associate right and but then you'll have 6 years to gain those 5 years of experience now i already had a year of experience i had one year college with knox off one year of the thing so i kind of made up like hey you know i'll need 3 years i can justify it by saying hey you know um I have I have the knowledge I just need to gather the experience and that's what I will that would be my selling point right that would be what differentiates me in this market right and I kind of misjudged the situation because around uh January 2020 covid hit and people started firing instead of hiring so you know <laughs> so a bad period again we can't control that that that's outside of our control right 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 but then um so it, it was easier for me right because um I came back and lived with my parents. I didn't have any uh, outstanding bills or, or things that you know that that I need to spend money on. But then I can, I can understand what what if you had lost your gig and you had a family to support, right? What would yeah. you do? Uh, I had no responsibilities as such, so less responsibilities. <laughs> and so and so, I kind of figured that I, I was in a better spot than most of the people because I could still study and give for an exam, right? Whereas someone else might have bills to pay and. uh they would have a really tough time 
Mm-hmm. Mm, and so this was one time where I realized it's very important to have a side hustle, you know, that is that is not necessarily in, in your main field, you know, something like a secondary blade that you can wield if your primary thing breaks down. Yeah. Uh, and so so I started researching a bit on that. Then um, I was always great at uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that maybe maybe getting into teaching would be a good idea at this point of time. It is something that that is, that is, I naturally felt a tendency to throughout college. I used to be, I was a teaching assistant a couple of places. Um, I became a cybersecurity course developer for a while uh, at, a, at a course development place. Um, help, help build their courses and stuff. And so that was me kind of exploring it was still cybersecurity, right? But then it was it was more on the teaching and mentoring side of things than main core cybersecurity, yeah. and that also kind of added to my experience. Right? I didn't want having a CISSP, which I cracked the exam, right? But I didn't have CISSP and getting no experience. At least I need to keep getting experience. Yes, yeah. but right? that's, that's good. Okay, um, tell us a little bit about after that. Like your your, we don't ever hear or I haven't heard much about. Mm-hmm. Uh, job hunting in India. So I think for for mm-hmm. some of our audience that that might be interesting. Like, um, tell us about your next phase of job hunting in India for for your next paid role. Um, right, right, right. Journey. So um, uh, it it came. So so the COVID really messed things up, right? Uh, because by the time people started hiring again, it was like five months into the road, mm-hmm. uh, in, into the year, right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around April of 2020, people started hiring again and kind of realized that, you know, you don't have to fire everyone. Um, and then, so that that was, uh, and then it was it was like, like the market did a 180 in those six months. They kind of realized that we still need people, right? Plus the fact that so many bad things happened in that period, like, uh, you know, the colonial pipeline hack happened, yeah. uh, like big major things happened. Uh and I should never say this, right? But all those bad actors made getting a job really easy for me because they kept on doing such major things and people kind of started realizing that how important it is to have uh, cybersecurity as a functioning part rather than something that, you know, um, you get on the site. Yeah. And so th- there was an immediate job boom. And then um, with, with my degree and with the certificates, right, I, I was like at the front of it made uh, so there are a couple of other job hiring platforms in india there's one that's called uh nokri.com which which literally with is a hindi for job okay. so job is called nokri so, so there are a couple there is there's nokri.com there's monster.com there is um angel listing which which has mostly startup roles uh and then of course uh linkedin and so made profiles on all on all of those places kept on kept them very active right so super active the other 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 than linkedin which is more like social networking mm-hmm. uh, or professional networking the other sites are are pure job hunting sites they're more, more closer to indeed than linkedin yeah and so you you put up put up your profile and then you wait and so i would i would keep my profile up to date like i would keep visiting them every two or three days um I reach out to a lot of recruiters try to find out who is hiring who is uh, who has job vacancies open right but you're and then, reaching out to them um... right 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 they would have their numbers listed right okay uh, so on 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 Nokri, in some cases they have their numbers listed so you can you can kind of figure out who has posted the role yeah. and then they'll have the number on the bottom so you can just ring them up okay and 
Um, and so the, I, a, I started doing a lot of that. Not a passive job hunt you're doing. You're you're no, no, no. actively going out. Okay. No, no, yeah. It was it was like it was like a full time job. If you don't have a job, your job and and you don't have responsibilities as money, you can do it as a full time thing. You can be searching eight hours a day, like study a little bit and then and then work on building your resume, trying trying to do all these other things that complement you, right? And yeah. Mm, because my experience was in GRC and I figured out quite early that a lot of the roles in India were either pen testing uh, or they were uh, web application development. development, pen testing. Yeah. More on the vulnerability assessment and pen testing side than on GRC, right? And this this kind of, uh, it kind of made me a bit irritated all the time because a lot of these roles were things that it's not that I couldn't do it, but it was not something that I had direct exposure on, right? And so they would begin, they would begin asking that, hey, you know, do you know these bunch of tools, for example? And I would be like, no, no, no. And I know the open source version for each one of them, but I've never worked on them. And then just like that, the interview would stop, right? And so a lot of time was spent into doing a lot of free training. So going to OWASP, doing their Zap, because Zap is a good security testing tool. Um, going to Fortinet and doing the NSC trainings because they're all free. Um, learning for open, like brushing up on IP tables, brushing up on NICTO, vulnerability scanning and things like that. Uh, did did it spend a lot of time on that? Not because I wanted to get into that field, but I just wanted the calls to keep coming in. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that was that was how I kind of landed the first role a year ago. Mm. And then I didn't really like the role, but I needed a role. So I kind of worked there for a year while continuously searching, still upgrading myself, right? Figured out that audit is a good area to complement GRC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, did a couple of, uh, so that firm that I worked in also did audits, right? So I did a couple of PCI DSS audits, uh, which is, which is by the way, I, I love the fact that PC, PC, PSI. PSI has so many things online for free. Yeah. Uh, you can you can read the statements for free. And so I was like, this is this is a good place to start if you want to do GRC and audit and you mm-hmm. want to build that up. Mm. And then I landed the role that I currently am in, which was like about about a hundred percent hike on my previous role. So I was, I was super super happy. <laughs> but so you're 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 unemployed. You're actively looking. You mm-hmm. found a role that you're partially interested, but uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily like this is going to be my lifetime goal. Which is right. What you have to think about, right? Like this is going to mm-hmm. be a stepping stone role for my next right. role. And right, right. once you can look at that and see how you can take the transferable skills into mm-hmm. where you want to go when you have your north star of like this is where I really want to go. Like that's perfect. Um, right, and you continued looking the whole time. Um, That's true. Was it through networking? Was it just through calling recruiters? Like, how did you get your next role, or was it um, a transfer within your company through auditing? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. So, uh, my um, uh, of course, once I got the job, I couldn't couldn't pursue the active one, right? Because uh, <laughs> I had a job to do, yeah. um, and so it became a lot more passive. And this time. Um, it became a much more much more targeted hunting, right? I was, I was not, 
very comfortable, like complacent in the job, but I knew I had a job. So I had that confidence that I'm not on the, I don't need something immediately. Right. I can, I can wait three months for the yeah. perfect role to come by. Right. And so I started with that mindset and I also kind of uh, decided that what would, uh, and I, what would be the minimum time period that I want to work here, right? Let's say I get a job tomorrow, right? Which is the perfect job. Would I, do I really want to leave the company immediately? Uh, or what's what's the minimum time period that I'm going to work here that would give me all the benefits and then it would be beneficial for me to switch, even though it might not look so good. Because if you look at my resume now, right? It's it's one year, one year, one year. <laughs> Each company, right? It's, it's not a good look to look at and and. Frankly, a lot of people will say that, hey, uh, it, it is, it is, it's a bad look. It does not look good that you switch three times in four years, right? Uh, and I say, hey, you know, I completely agree with it. Uh, but if if the reason is that you have a student loan to pay off, there's there's really nothing you can do about it. Uh, you have the loan. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. And, <laughs> and there's also that. I mean, I don't know how it is in India, but. At least here in the states, there's the progression that the the cybersecurity environment is changing so quickly that mm-hmm. if you really go to an, another role in one to two years, um, mm-hmm. then you're you're keeping up with technology, and at least you're sta- you're you're continuously growing. Now, if you right. go from PRC to pen testing to mm-hmm. teaching, um, mm-hmm. and like you're not you're going in different ways then that's a different story but you're 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 showing progression in the same field so i I think that's a lot easier to justify right right right. so that was one um and then i i read a lot of uh books around that that period of time um and, and and i would i would listen to a lot of podcasts and and job hunt strategies, right? And there was this quote that I read. And there, were, there were a couple of quotes that kind of influenced my way of thinking. There was one that said, mm, you know, you should continuously look for roles uh, even while you're employed. Uh, there are two reasons. One of them is if you like it, you know what what you, what's your current market rate, you can switch to that. And the second one is if you don't like it, you'll appreciate your job, the one that you had more. Uh, and then that that kind of made sense to me. And that kind of motivated me to keep on looking, right? And the other one was that I knew that uh, that uh, I can get more in the market, and I need I'm getting this at the moment because I don't have a choice, and I need one. I need I need work, mm-hmm. mm. and so that was one reason why I kind of took the role, knowing that it was still beneficial for me, right? It was not it was, so like like you mentioned, it was still progressions into GRC, uh, and then. I learned this philosophy of being like a T-shaped cybersecurity individual. You can, you know, uh, choose one place where you kind of specialize into and then later on branch out and then know a little bit about other things. It's all right, but don't branch out initially because then you won't have a good base to grow on. And then, so that was something else that I kind of pursued through through the switches. That, that That's something that a lot of, individuals ask me like should they generalize um Mm -hmm. or should they specialize in the beginning kind of like you mentioned the t-shape right uh expansion of your knowledge and yeah in the beginning you have to focus on something and Mm -hmm. that something will help separate you from the rest so like beginning you're one something 
was that you pass the CISSP and mm. you have the knowledge that all the others, same age bracket, mm. kind of have. So your mm. your CISSP and your your PWC experience kind of sets mm. you apart, um, right. where others might not have that. So uh, yeah, definitely love love that. Um, we've gone way we've we've gone way over our time, um, but. I think it's just, it's been such an in-depth conversation that I just wanted to keep it going and really appreciate that. Um, so we, we, we talked a lot, a lot about your journey. If you had mm -hmm. to summarize your journey into one piece of sage advice uh, for our listeners, what would that be? Right. Uh, I would reiterate the T point, right? Uh, just, just think of, of, at least in the beginning few years up to up to something where you are a mid-senior professional, you will need something that says, hey, you know, I have four years of experience in this one thing or these two things in this one domain, right? And that will help you. That is what you can show as transitive skills into any other domain if you want to switch later. That's all right. That's fine. But then initially in the first four or five years, get it doesn't matter how many times you switch, just get one solid thing in and then you can switch as many times as you want. And and that's such a good book for for those looking for books. Um, it's, it's called the One Thing, and focus on what your one thing is. So I, I right. absolutely love the advice. Uh, thank you so much uh, for those of you following us on LinkedIn Live. Uh, please ensure that you follow um, all of us here and uh, join us next week at the same time, one p.m. Eastern. For those of you on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit that notification button, um, share with your friends and family. And then for those of you on podcasts, please ensure that you give us a five-star rating wherever you get our podcasts and share it with friends and family. Thank you all so much. Um, approve. I really yeah. appreciate your, your, <laughs> your, sorry again, but I really appreciate your story. Um, I, I love the, the transitive nature of your story, like that you're very adaptive to what happened um, to you throughout your, your your life and your journey and the, the positive approach that you took to that. Because I think um, attitude is everything. And that, that's one of the things that like I have on my desk is attitude is everything. And you had mm -hmm. a, of an amazing attitude going through this. Um, so truly appreciate it. And I, I think this stands out as one, one, of, one of the more intimate um, sessions that we've had in a long time. So thank you so much. Thanks a lot for having me, Chris. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.